We had USC beating Notre Dame, but we knew the Trojans were in the Pac-12 title game. There was that race for the second spot, uh, and ultimately it was Utah that qualified. They hammered Colorado. We're going to talk about Washington. We're going to talk about the Oregon schools. All of that and more on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. And there were many interesting games with postseason implications in the Pac-12 this last week, but we start with a Territorial Cup. Arizona and Arizona State on Black Friday. We had, you know, Arizona had blown it the week before. They're not bowl eligible. But Jed Fish, you know, trying to turn it around. Arizona State, absolute wreck. Uh, and it ends up being a close, decent game. Arizona wins the second half by a touchdown, and that's enough for them to win the game by three points. How about those Wildcats? How about those Wildcats, who every one of us in the group picked, but they did not cover the four-point spread. Nope. They only won by three. So good for them for winning, but none of us are going to gain any credit for that since we chose them to win only uh, – we needed them to win by four. Trenton Bourget, dude. He's back in the saddle. I've been, like, weirdly uh... – you know, like very lightly transfixed by this nonsensical Arizona State quarterback rotation this year. Probably, I mean, mostly because they beat Washington. Yeah, they really did some damage to Washington's schedule. As it turns out, really devastating loss, more than you could ever possibly imagine at the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it ends up being fine for us. Uh, but then, what well, the big news out of Arizona State, they end up hiring uh, Oregon State offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham. Uh, to fill the Herm Edwards vacancy. So they got a new coach. Apparently he's like an Arizona State guy through and through. Um, So excited to be back there. And, uh, you know, Oregon, uh, up until the last, like, handful of weeks, uh, one of the – just a monster offense this year. So, uh, you know, who knows? 31 years old, this Dillingham character. Yeah, I saw something like that, that he would like, graduated from, like, school potentially there in, like – Oh nine or ten or something? Yeah, not that long ago. I I don't know, man. It it seems to me like these division one, particularly at the power five level football programs, like these are big jobs, man. Yeah. Is, like can you do this job if you're thirty one years old? Like you understand enough about what's going on in the larger scheme of things, like politically and all that, to like get this done? I don't see how you could. I mean, like, you know how to recruit, presumably, if you've been doing it for a couple of years, and that's what he's going to hang his hat on. But, like, yeah, I mean, I think the amount of delegation that's necessary, I think if you're looking for a positive, you say, well, he's young, he's going to be able to, like, you know, burn the candle at both ends, um, and it won't be for lack of effort. But, yeah, I mean, like, I think there's a lot of maturity that's required. That's why... You know, we've talked about Washington, you know, needing to get people in who have head coaching experience. You're talking, I mean, you're talking, you're effectively, if the athletic director is the CEO of the athletic department, the football coach is a, a very small step down from that position in that role in terms of like, you are the the lead, you know, employee, director, however you want to phrase it 
of the number one revenue driver in a you know seventy to a hundred million dollar a year athletic department. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. nine coaches. There's however many staff. There's analysts. You've got all the kids. Like you, this guy is now in charge of an organization that's over a hundred people. Um, at thirty-one years old, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, you're right. He's going to be able to burn the candle at both ends, but it's just, I don't know. I just don't. I mean, look, Arizona State makes dumb hires, so you know that's the right in character for them to go outside the box, so to speak. Yeah. But I, I thought after the Herm Edwards debacle, we would have seen a very safe, like Jeff Tedford-esque style hire here just to get things back on the rails but does not appear to be the case yeah yeah we'll see i don't know how do you feel about arizona they had a better record this year than last year the fish dude he's you know i mean good for him i guess okay you know you can sell it really that's all you care about is having something you can say it's it happened positively yeah i mean i think i think my biggest takeaway from arizona goes back to Jaden delora transferring there and just being like, why? <laughs> why yeah. What were you do? What were you thinking? You yeah. know, like, why did you do that? You you didn't. You were you're like you weren't threatened as like the starting quarterback at Wazoo. You were going to be the starter. They're good. Dickert seems like he's got a decent. I mean, some momentum going. I don't know. He's. I guess he'll be back next year. He's not. He's not a pro prospect, right? So then we'll get to see another year of Jaden Delora, but. Um, well, I mean, for all intents and purposes, good year for the, you know, for Arizona. Yeah. All right. How about another Friday game, UCLA and California? This game had uh, title game implications for Washington. Uh, it turned out was the decider ultimately. Uh, Washington needed California to beat UCLA uh, to have any chance of sneaking in to the Pac-12 title game. Uh, UCLA was pretty solidly favored in this game, right? Very solidly favored. Yes. Yeah. Well, Cal. Ten points. Uh, Cal had a lead with uh, 12 minutes to go in this game. Uh, but UCLA quickly scored and able to hang on. UCLA did not cover the spread. They won 35-28. to 28. And good for your UCLA to get a win. Uh, get to nine wins on the season. Uh, you know, they, they were kind of trending towards potentially being a top-of-the-conference team, end up being uh, fifth in the conference. Um, but, you know, what solid year. Uh, left a little meat on the bone, I'd say, for the Bruins. Which is kind of the story of Chip Kelly at the Bruins, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Like, he's all right, you know? And for the first time since, like, 2016, he's going to have to do it next year without uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I mean, is that is that really that bad of a thing? Not I mean, at all, he, I don't think. I mean, was, was that, that guy... Great? I mean, I don't know that I'm convinced that Dorian Thompson-Robinson is, like, that much better than whoever else they're just going to go get. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, and then Cal, you know, whatever. Cal sucks. Cal sucks. They suck so much. They covered, but they just suck, man. Um, I don't know what you do at Wilcox. It doesn't seem like they care, so they're probably just going to keep him. But yeah, the guy's earned himself a firing with how bad they've been. But I agree like, with that. Doesn't yep. seem like that's going to matter, so. Uh, moving on to the Saturday games, let's start off with Utah and Colorado in the kind of leftovers rivalry uh, in the conference, the last two schools to join. Uh, Colorado were, what, 29.5-point dogs, something like that in this game. Utah uh, gave them a good old thumping by 42. Is that right? 
Yep, this is the first time in three weeks, as you pointed out, that they were not 30-point underdogs. Uh, they had not covered any of those 30-point spreads. Yeah. This 29.5-point spread proved to also be too much for them to bear. And, I mean, there's really nothing nothing to this. Utah kicked the crap out of them and needed to do that, so they did it. And Colorado season is now over. Yeah, I mean, mercifully. Exciting for them. Uh, For Colorado News, apparently words out that they offered the job to Deion Sanders, and embarrassingly for them, uh, he has confirmed that he's been offered the job and made no indication that he wants to be be the coach there. Well, I've heard that he's he's told his team that he's going to decide on, like, Sunday, and it's like Colorado, uh, Florida, like maybe South or Florida Atlantic, FAU. South Florida, I think. South Florida, and then there's one other school. Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he picks up. I hope he does, like, the press conference with the hats. That would be so funny. It would be so awesome. He should do that, man. Why not? Like, no coach has done that yet. And Dion, I love Dion Sanders and have since, you know, like, we were in middle school, basically. Yeah. Like, did you, get, did you have the Dion, like, shoes? I didn't have his shoes, but he was, like, one of the, you know, like, how buttoned up NFL football is, like, uh, you know, like back in the day, you know, there weren't a lot of guys that were able to kind of like show their personality on the field, especially enough that like a child could like observe it and identify with a player. And he had his like funny little dance that he did. And he had his funny way of walking to the end zone. Great nickname. Played baseball also. Like one of the great athletes from my youth. Big fan of his. That, that commercial with Dennis Leary, like Deion Sanders Claus. Loved that, dude. Yeah. Loved it. Needed to have those shoes. Got the shoes, wore the shoes. I hope Deion Sanders comes to Colorado because it would be great to have him in the Pac-12, man. It would be so awesome if he was here. Uh, I remember hearing uh, him talk about uh, his coaches used to get on him for not stretching, and he would uh, tell him he, he'd be like, you ever see a cheetah stretch? No, yeah. I haven't. Have that's, that's how he conceived of himself, and I think he was probably right. Yeah, I He's exactly like, correct. With whatever's going on with my body, I'm going to consider myself to be the expert. Uh, you fat piece of shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Which coach was this that was giving him this? Advice? Oh, I don't know. I just heard him that when he was like a younger guy. Maybe yeah. it was when he was at Florida State, or maybe when he when he was a young guy in the NFL or something like that. Bobby Bowden wasn't in great shape, dude. Like, no, <laughs> great great college football coach, but he should not be telling Deion Sanders yeah. how to stretch. Yeah, like for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna do Pilates here for you. I kind of, I'll kind of warm up how I feel like warming up. Yeah, I love Deion Sanders. I hope yeah. he comes to the Pac-12, dude. I do too. I do too. Uh, how about uh, here's another stinker: uh, BYU and Stanford. Uh, the Cougars of BYU win this game, 35 to 26. Uh, put the nail in the coffin of a miserable season for Stanford. And in, in the post-game press conference, David Shaw's like, I don't coach here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's been widely speculated that my job is safe and I quit this job. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> yeah. I mean. They, I was surprised at how young he is still. Yeah, but they fell off a cliff. I mean, like, he yeah. really never, like, they they definitely peaked under Harbaugh. Yeah. And then he kept it going for a couple of years, like on the momentum, but it was never quite the same. Yeah. And and then he just really lost it. And it seems like it seems like this is another one of those sort of like Chris Peterson quitting scenarios where 
and more so at Stanford than at Washington for sure. But the NIL transfer scenario is just devastating if you're Stanford, right? Because you can't you can't utilize the transfer portal like everybody else, and you're just like you're not going to be in a position like they don't care enough about football in the Bay Area to be able to offer big NIL deals. So the advantage you always had, which is so wild, uh, considering the amount of horseshit people spend millions of dollars on down there, just products yeah. that like after the fact, you're like, well, this was never going to work. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of startups that come out of Stanford that, you know, seem specifically designed to bring the end of the modern civilized world yeah. that can raise any, any, you know, infinite amounts of money, but can't get that money for the football program. I guess they just don't care. But so I think I think that's that's more along the lines of what Shaw's looking at, which is like his model is broken. He doesn't want to do it anymore. He's gonna make a really good analyst, you know, in the TV studio or whatever it is he wants to do in life. Like you said, he's a relatively young guy. I think he's I think that's where he's at mentally. He's just done. Think of the amount of golf you'd play. Me? Well, I don't play very much. No, I'm saying if you're like in, if you're like theoretically, it could be like, well, I could go be an analyst. Alternately, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll just be an anal- I'll be an analyst in the fall, and I'll just show up, you know, a half hour before the thing's supposed to start, or an hour, whatever, how long it takes to do makeup. Yeah. Keep light tabs during the week. Yep. And otherwise, we're playing. We're playing every day. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'll I'll like scroll through my phone in the cart, you know, and like yeah, yeah. check check scores and stuff. Yeah. You know, like, it's not like I'm not going to do any prep. You got to get from shot to shot. And then you got guys who are playing in your group with you and, and you got to be quiet while they're hitting. So you, yeah, you got plenty of time to, to brush up. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, BYU, uh, they had a couple of good seasons recently, but they kind of fell back, but I don't really care about them. Whatever. They're, they're going to a bowl game. They're in purgatory until they find a conference. Yeah. Right. Possibly our conference. Oh man. I didn't even thought about that. Uh, how about USC and Notre Dame? Uh, we had the Trojans all of a sudden due to losses by Clemson to South Carolina due to losses by LSU at Texas A&M. All of a sudden USC is looking like they're winning in for the college football playoff. Uh, they, you know, relatively comfortably, uh, beat Notre Dame, uh, behind another, uh, stellar offensive performance from, uh, I don't know if, how it feels to you, but like this Caleb Williams guy, right? Yep. Apparently he's like, you know, uh, to, my impression of it now is that he's like the consensus and prohibitive favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Yep. Like Seem, seems to be the case that he's going to win this thing. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I just don't watch enough USC because Washington didn't play him this year, but like, really? I don't know. Well, they went eleven and one. Yeah, you know? he played well in their loss to Utah. Prior loss to Utah, the one loss they did have, he he had a reasonably good game. It wasn't. I mean, it was really their defense that failed him in that game, right? It was a high scoring game. Um, so I think you know he plays for USC. That's one of the boxes you have to check if you want to win the Heisman, which is you got to play for one of the favored nations. Yeah, and he does. So. And, the, I mean, and it kind of, to me, it feels like in the absence of a viable candidate from one of these other schools. Yeah. Georgia, like Stetson Bennett's a good quarterback, but he's not putting up those kind of numbs. The, the quarterback from Bama who won it last year didn't have a great season this year. Yep. 
Ohio State's quarterback Stroud is good, but apparently, you know, like he he terrible game against Michigan. Players. Yeah, and he's and he hasn't had like crazy numbs, so it's there. And the Tennessee guy got out. hurt. Hendon yep. Hooker. Yep. So I can see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So all right. Yeah, it seems fine, I guess. Uh, but anyway, good win for USC. They're going into the Pac-12 title game, and they get a chance to avenge their one loss of the season uh, against Utah in that final game. The other school that had a chance to be in that Pac-12 title game after Cal beat UCLA was Oregon. Oregon went to Corvallis for the erstwhile Civil War and had a lead of, what was it, like 31-10 to 10 or something? Yes, sir. Well, I turned it off. The game was over. Congratulations on Oregon to making it to the title game. Yeah, that's. I think they play uh, USC. Wait a second! I just clicked on this box score. Wait Ooh. a second. Here's what I loved the most about this game was that Oregon. If we if we go back in time to the Oregon Washington game, yeah, where Oregon absolutely choked away a victory, the the play that defined that choke was. Fourth and one from their own 30 with a backup quarterback handing off to a running back. Everybody in the stadium knows the running back's getting the ball. Washington's defense knows the running back's getting the ball. Washington's defense collapses. Any running lanes the running back would have. And in lieu of being tackled for a loss, the running back slips and falls over. And Oregon turns the ball over in field goal range, basically, for Washington. And... Lanning gets just <coughs> roasted for that, right? For not putting Bo Nix back in the game when he wanted to go in, for running an extremely predictable play. You know, nobody was fooled for just, you know, for not punting when he's that, you know, yeah. in, you can't turn the ball over there. So now we fast forward to this game, and Oregon, with a pretty good lead, fourth and one from their own 29, Bo Nix in the game this time. They run the exact same play, only Knicks keeps it, which everybody would figure that's what he's going to do. <laughs> and Oregon State blows it up. They turn the ball, you know, Oregon turns it over. Oregon State gets the ball back. I mean, I I was just completely um, giddy at that sequence of events. I mean, what, what about you when you were watching this? Oh, it was shocking, dude. It was shocking. I mean, like, to watch this happen in real time, it's like, I kind of like I'm not trying to sit around and watch Oregon win a game, so I was actually only kind of keeping light tabs on the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, and this was, yeah, this was the day we drove back from Suncadia. Uh, but yeah, I was home in time for this. Um, was kind of cleaning up the house, keeping an eye on the game, and then you're like, wait a second. And then I, I think I'd gone away, and I come back, and I'm like, wait a sec, Oregon State has the ball, and they have a chance to take the lead. And then you're like trying to go back and deconstruct what happened. In the fourth quarter, they had three three scoring drives. They didn't throw a pass. Nary a pass was thrown. They just ran the ball, which, again, I also appreciate because if we go back to the Oregon-Washington game, Oregon's defense was so kind as to not play any pass coverage of any kind Yeah, and just get blown up in their secondary. Washington threw the ball all over them. And now they prove they could do it in a different way. They could choke in a different way. You got to be multiple. Absolutely blown off the line of scrimmage and just let Oregon State, who does does not have a quality quarterback. Nope. Um, and finally, Jonathan Smith was like, fuck it. We're just not going to pass. And he didn't need to. And came back from three 
touchdowns down without throwing a pass. Three scores down in the fourth quarter. Presumably time is of the essence. Run, 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 run. <laughs> run, 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 run some more, score. Oregon, All we're doing is running. Oregon did uh, have one incredible special teams gaffe, which helped Oregon State, which is they fumbled a punt attempt on their own one. So the the punter got the ball, caught it, was like took a couple steps to the side, looked like he was going to do one of those like sort of running Australian you know, running punts bits, dropped the ball. So that was that, fell on it. Um, so there wasn't, it wasn't like Oregon State was going 80 yards. Yeah. You know, that that was a very quick drive. Um, just very enjoyable to watch if you're a, a non-Oregon fan, which we both are. So Hilarious. I mean, yeah, let's think about the starting field position on Oregon State's three touchdown drives in the fourth quarter down 17 points. Or uh, First one starts on the Oregon 36. That's their worst starting field position of any of these three. Yeah. The second one starts on the Oregon two. Yep. The last one starts on the Oregon 28. That's the fourth down that they failed to convert. <laughs> and then it was just not happening for Oregon the rest of the way. Oregon State, we knew they had a salty defense from when they played Washington. Uh, and all of a sudden, they had had, you know, hard luck against USC, hard luck against Washington. Uh how about the Beavs, man? Finishing strong, finish with the same record as uh, as Oregon, you know? And they take the rivalry game, and they're the ones that feel good about their season. And now Oregon's in another offseason scrambling to replace at least one uh, integral coach and generally not happy. And Dan Lanning, yeah, you're talking about making the exact same mistake that he made against Washington. Fans remember that. <laughs> Yeah, and and the defense, which, you know, when we was hired, we all kind of were asking the question, is Dan Lanning a great defensive coach? Yeah. Or did he coach under Kirby Smart, who is a great defensive coach? Um, uh, yeah, coached under a great defensive coach and coached athletes that were, like, had beaten the other team by walking off the bus in, like, 11 out of 13 games a year. Right. And now you've got – I mean, I've, I've seen the narrative shift – pretty dramatically on the Oregon posting, you know, board, like the Twitter feeds, which is, well, Lanning needs to get his guys. And it's like, well, wait a minute. If you're, if you're a a better coach, if, if defense is your thing and you're still more talented than the other team, at least in 10 of the games they played this year, right? Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Their defense is more talented, has more talented players on the field than every school they're going to play except Georgia. Um, did they play SC? They didn't this year, did they? Uh, I don't believe so, no. No, so they didn't play SC. Maybe, I mean, for sure their defense has more four and five stars than Utah, like Utah's offense. Yeah. So, like, maybe that's Georgia's the only game where from a talent standpoint they they are at a deficit. But now we're, we're you know, we're slicing that apple a different way. And now it's like, well, it's not that they have to be more talented. It's that it has to be the right guys in the right positions for our genius defensive coach to coach him up right. Um, I think there's like a legitimate question if this guy can coach defense or coach at all. Yeah, I mean, there's like a there's a he's you know uh, from what I've watched of Oregon this year, I think like if you wanted to be pessimistic about him, uh, you would say that like when the when the uh, 
the bullets are flying, he kind of has a little bit of a shell-shocked look on his face on the sideline. Uh, and obviously the questionable decisions to go for it uh, that cost him games against Washington and Oregon State. Um, if you, the other way is that, like, hey, you know, I mean, you, you know, they didn't they didn't fall off like Jimmy Lake degree. You know, they still kept it going. They were in the mix for the Pac-12 title game. And by, you know, they should have won against Washington. They should have won against Oregon State. Those games were close. Uh, how much of the good are they going to be able to keep going when Bo Nix leaves? Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you make a good point about the quality of the talent that Oregon has. It's like the one thing Mario Cristobal – uh, I think did clearly better than anything else he did was recruit. Yes. Incredibly aggressive recruiter. Uh, got guys in there and they had, you know, as much raw material to work with in terms of quality of athlete as anybody in the conference, uh, aside from USC. For sure. Yeah. And now, I mean, yeah, you look at, so you look at the, the season they just had and you say it's, it's pretty good, right? It didn't, they didn't have the Jimmy Lake, effect that yeah. uh, Washington suffered from. But you have to go, you have to say they stepped out in non-conference one time and got embarrassed on a national stage. Yeah. They lost to their biggest rival at home um with a, you know, we'll call it a medium medium choke in terms of how they lost that game. They should have won that game yeah. and they sort of choked it away. And then yeah. they lost to their second greatest rival on the road this time in front of half of a stadium because Reeser Field is being, you know, renovated. Yeah. Um, and this is not a medium choke. This is a, a full-fledged Kuganit, um all the way choke. That's that's for eight and three. That's about as I think they, they're going to feel about as bad as they can about that, like that sequence of events. They did not beat anybody this year outside of the UCLA game, which they got Chip Kelly at home. And UCLA, as we talked about earlier, is like, okay, you know. They're okay, yeah. You're never that's, convinced they're, like, trying their hardest. That's an okay That's an okay program right now. Yep, yeah. So, interesting. Interesting to monitor and uh, see how things end up for them. I think that leaves us with one game to talk about. That's the Apple Cup. Washington, uh, the Huskies went to Pullman. They had lost to the Cougars last year uh, and were seeking to avenge uh, and this game was wild in the first half. Both of these teams just trading points. Uh, Washington State surprisingly good on offense in the first half of this game. Uh, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, the Dogs end up taking a 28-27 to lead into the locker room. And the second half uh, happened. The teams traded touchdowns in the third quarter. And then Washington, how about... Uh, 17 unanswered to close the game uh, to win by 18. You'll take it if you're a Washington fan. Yeah. There's there's a lot of funny things about the Apple Cup, which I enjoy. One of which is since you and I started being Washington fans, which we'll stay was our freshman year. Yeah. Because before that, I, I can't I can't say that I really cared or knew anything about Washington football. Yeah. I just knew about him from reading in the local paper, but like I was like, "Oh, that's good." I considered them to be like a local pro team, basically. Yeah, yeah. So Washington is eighteen and six in the Apple Cup since then, which is pretty good for a yeah. rivalry game. You know, you're going to take that that three to one ratio. Um, and there's some longer and and the thing that's amazing about that 
is that there's a four out of five year stretch there where they lost four out of five, right? Like the Alex Brink years, like the Tyrone Willingham years, the Cougs got four out of five at one point. Yeah. Um, and they're still, if Washington's still 18 and six in that stretch. So Unbelievable. you gotta, you gotta love that. I mean, it's the, the guys at Coug center or whatever. Um, one of them is, it's pretty dark and, and sad, frankly, but is like his thing about the apple cup is he watches it in his basement by himself. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess that's what you got to do if that's if that's the reality, your reality. Well, yeah, I mean, I watched Washington lose, you know, 12 straight to Oregon. I'll tell you what, I wasn't looking forward to, like, the last eight of those. <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a fascinating game. It's a fascinating rivalry. Washington, in our, in our sports fan lives at least, has had the significant upper hand. But there's also some, like, hilarious just rivalry history, one of which is that Washington State's never won three of these in a row. Amazing. And and that, that wasn't in danger this year. Like, they had one last year, but not the year before. So they were just on a one-year streak. Yeah. But but they literally, if they win an Apple Cup, it means the next year they're playing for their longest, to tie their longest winning streak ever in the rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> you have to assume in our lifetime that's going to change. right? I mean, I keep thinking – Eventually, oh, it'll happen, you would think. Eventually, it's just going to have to happen, right? They're going to win three of these in a row at some point, aren't they? Yeah. But, but they haven't. Um, and so I, I always go into these where, where they won the year before thinking, like, is this going to be the year that they, you know, not only tie their longest win streak of all time in the rivalry, but really kind of cement, you know, like, that they're going to, you know, like they, they cause a, a coach to get fired or something in Washington where it's like, oh, next year they're going to do it. They're going to get their third in a row. Um, but it just never happens. It hasn't happened so far. So we can talk about the game, the specifics of it, but I just – there's a lot of things about the Apple Cup just generally that I kind of – I mean, as a Washington fan, we can enjoy. And as a Coop fan, I would probably not like very much. Yeah, the game The game was like – it was whatever. It's like Washington looked like – as I was uh, – you know, I mean, I got a little bit nervous in the first half because Washington State just kept scoring on our defense – but still, certainly outwardly, I was like, well, we're going to keep scoring. I'm not worried about that. Uh, so if we find a way to get some stops. Yeah. I I mean, you, over the years, you have done an excellent job of pointing out to me that, like, college football, not only is, like, our expected outcomes a big thing, but also you just if you just look at, if you just look at the cadence of a game, you can learn a lot from it. And, and you can predict the winner – of a, and losers, you know, based on on certain factors. And one of the factors in that first half is Washington State went for it on fourth down four times and got it all four times, one of yep. which included a pass from their punter yep. to a linebacker who released. And all of that, which means effectively everything went right for them in critical plays, you know. Yeah. And, and they were still losing at halftime. Yeah. You know, they were still down by one. And so I was at halftime, I, I was annoyed at how bad Washington's defense had played for sure. But I was also thinking to myself, what are the odds that they're going to be able to put together another half where they convert four out of four fourth downs? They, you know, they kicked a 50 yard field goal that legitimately doinked off the crossbar and through. Yeah. I and mean, that, that an inch shorter and that doesn't go through um, a lot of things broke right for everything broke right for them effectively in the first half. 
for them to be down by one. And so I felt okay at halftime, to be honest with you. And then the first play of the second half was a 75-yard bomb from Phoenix to McMillan. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to win this. Like, you know, like this, it's over. Yeah. I, at that point, I was I was thoroughly convinced we were winning this game. Um, and that proved itself to be the, to be true. Yeah. Uh, Penix uh, was a monster in the game. Uh, 485 yards passing, three touchdowns. He also rushed for one. He also he rushed for two, excuse me, because he had that one throwback play from McMillan. Uh, that was probably one of his best individual highlights of the season where Penix caught it behind the line of scrimmage and, you know, ran through a bunch of bodies to make a reasonably long touchdown. Yeah, I mean, and the good counterpoint, I guess, to my complaining, or not complaining, but pointing out that a lot of things went right for WSU was, I mean, Washington's offense was doing whatever what they wanted because when McMillan, the second that play developed, I think it's from watching Dante Pettis throw so many passes over the years. Like Browning would always throw to Pettis back, and then you'd be like, oh, Pettis is going to throw here. As soon as that happened, I was like, oh, McMillan's going to throw this ball. Just a matter of where, whether he's throwing it down the field or back across. He threw it back across, and there were a lot of Huskies around Penix when he caught the ball, and not very many Cougars. Um, it, It appeared relatively early in the development of that play, like this might be a big play. And uh, it was. He went all the way to the end zone, and I don't think he was touched getting there. Yep. Uh, impressive. Yeah. Uh, do you think it was uh, we Like, I thought it was a little odd after this game where, like, the Washington Athletic Department decided, like, Heisman campaign. <laughs> yeah, day, day late to buck short there, huh? Like, yeah. probably should have started doing that about four weeks ago. Yeah. Um, because yeah. he's been putting up these numbs all year. It's not like this is a, a new development. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know, man. I, I I think that Washington's athletic department really doesn't do the details very well, and this is an example of that. It's like somebody on the bus home said to Jen Cohen or one of her associate athletic directors, hey, do you think we should promote this guy for Heisman? He's very clearly one of the top two or three quarterbacks in America. And they're like, oh, yeah, we should do that. And so now it's all – it's it's – yeah, like they're gonna do that, but it's it's not gonna work. They should have started this a month ago. They should have started a long damn time ago to get him the chance to get an invite to New York. You know, I mean, and yeah. I think it like and maybe part of it's like uh, that uh, Washington. If you go to the start of the season, you would say this is probably like a ninety-five plus percent range outcome for what could have happened this year. Yeah, in, in terms of beating Oregon, winning ten games. Uh, coming within a whisker, you know, like tied with the record of the, in terms of conference losses of one of the teams that's going to the Pac-12 title game. Uh, yeah, uh, that like, uh, maybe, you know, maybe it's just like, well, shit, I didn't think we were going to be this good. And it, I didn't think it would matter. <laughs> like, surely they weren't going to take the quarterback of an eight and 14 uh, to New York for the Heisman ceremony. But it turns out we're 10 and two. Yeah, but nobody cares about that in retrospect, right? Like the only place that's ever going to come up is on Twitter where opposing fan bases are going to be like, remember when you promoted Penix for Heisman and you went eight and four, you know, and then, you know, other, other nerds on the Washington side are going to argue about the legitimacy of that. Like if you're in the athletic department and this guy comes out and is throwing the ball around a lot, like he has been the first five, six, seven games of the season, you got to fire that machine up, man. You gotta, you gotta start promoting it. Like, why not? Like what's the downside? Yeah. Oh, I agree with I agree with that. Uh, and then another Washington news looks like we got an extension for Kalen DeBoer, which did it only raise his salary a million dollars a year? 
unbelievable, dude. Like you and I talked about this. Give the guy seven million a year. They give him four instead of three and a half. He still makes a million more or less than Lanning a year. Like I, I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, it's just like that's what I, that was. What I was thinking is that like I mean, think about it. Like uh, if you ever watch like uh, uh, poker, like on TV or something like that, and sometimes you make a bet just to stop the other person from making a bet, like a blocker. Yeah, uh, it's like. You have to pay him enough that it's going to hurt the other person to come in. Right now, anybody who's like going to be in the business of hiring Kalen DeBoer, which should be everybody on a blue chip program if they like fall in hard times in the next year or two, right? If they're not bothered going up to ten million dollars, right? Yeah. They're going to look. They're still. They're just like. I mean, like I've, it, in in like some ways, this extension like increases him as a target. Like, and I don't know if it included buyout terms or anything like that you know well 12 million dollar buyout but, again, but that's even that's like borderline not even gonna do anything it's it's funny money right like nebraska just hired matt rule and they're starting him at like seven a year yeah like, that's that is the rate for these fucking guys i don't get it you gotta like, pay if you're lucky enough to to for this for this you know Second time out of the last three, you know, you got the booby prize with Jimmy Lake, but you were smart enough to get out of that immediately. And then all of a sudden you have a guy where you're like, shit, this guy is like, might be really fucking good. You know I mean? He doesn't, he doesn't have a, uh, you know, Fresno and, uh, South Dakota, Sioux Falls or whatever, obviously not on the level of Boise state, but I mean, Similar in terms of like winning percentage, you know, from when this guy's been a head coach and demonstrated success basically everywhere he's gone. And all indications after one year is that this guy is as good as you can ever reasonably expect to have as a football coach. Like, try and keep him. He's pretty young. His kid committed to play softball here, you know. I agree with you, man. Buy him a house on the lake. Give him a giant loan, pay him seven and a half million a year. It's funny money. Who cares? Like conference realignment, the the TV deals that are coming down the pike. Like it's there's so much money. It's you're just get out of the box of being logical and just bring the guy up and say what? How much money do you want to make? Let's let's come at it from this from this point. You know what I mean? Like and just make it to where it's he doesn't want to leave. That's a, I I can't understand that. I can't understand that small of a raise. But whatever. I mean, they did it at least. It's better than not not doing anything, I suppose. But I, I'm with you, right? Like, I'm like, if, if any team that's going to be out looking for a coach is not really going to be dissuaded by, oh, he makes $4 million a year now. Oh, okay. You know, like, yeah, who cares? <laughs> but anyways, we won the Apple Cups. So that's great. That was great. And we got 10 wins and we're uh, a reasonable shot at making it uh, to the Rose Bowl. So they say, although the uh, – uh, CFP rankings that came out were a little curious, but also who cares? They're going to change next week, so I don't even really want to think about them. Are you going to go to the Rose Bowl if we if we go? Uh, probably not. Why not, dude? You should we'll go. We'll see. I don't know. It's fun, dude. You should go. I would love to, but uh, we'll see. Super fun. I'll tell you that. Uh, so how we doing picks last week? Uh, pretty good. We all we all went over five hundred for those of us who tried. Oh, it's not true. You didn't. Um, I was playing to win. That's why. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, we did okay. Um, Adam didn't play, so he lost a lot of games. Um, he got one, which is the UW game, which we auto pick for everybody. Yeah. Um, Kellen went five and two. Butchart went five and two. Forgot to pick two games, so basically went undefeated in the games that he picked. Um, Levine went six and one. 
Lerm went five and two. I went so four and three. Win? What do you mean? He went six and one. Yeah, but is no. he in first? No, 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 no. He's eight games behind Butcher. He, he's coming from way back in the past. Oh, okay. He's had some really good weeks. He's twelve and one in his last two weeks. But when you're when you're really, really far behind, and and to be fair, Butchart is ten and three, uh, ten and three in the last two weeks. So it's not like he's you know. And again, two of those games that he didn't get, he just didn't pick. What did I go um, like three and four? You yeah, you went three and four. Thought I had more than that. What did I get? Washington, Oregon State, and SC. I didn't pick Cal. You did not. You picked UCLA. What the fuck am I doing? You picked you picked Arizona. You picked the Buffs. Fight the fact you love those buffs, dude. And you picked Stanford, and that just didn't work out. Yeah, that's true. I tried to make all bad picks, and I didn't do enough of them. Yeah, uh, enough. okay. That's the lesson I'm taking away from that. So we got so, one game to pick this week. It's not a lot of opportunity to make up ground, but that game is USC against Utah. USC are two and a half point favorites. Yeah, so USC they win their end to the pack tw- or to the to the CFP. Uh, to play either Georgia or Michigan, um, most likely. Yep. And, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's USC minus two and a half. This is USC. Also, a great opportunity for them to avenge their one loss on the season. Uh, And that was a little bit of a fluky loss against Utah. It was certainly a close game. Uh, I like the Trojans to win this one. I like the Trojans to win this game pretty comfortably, to be honest with you. I feel like you said, yeah, it was a little bit of a fluky loss before – Utah hasn't looked spectacular in the last – I mean, if you set aside the Colorado game because they were playing against air, yeah. um, the week before they lost to Oregon, right? And Oregon has had a pretty spectacularly bad November. Yeah. Um, so I I don't feel like Utah's firing on all cylinders right now. And USC's got everything to play for. Their quarterback's the favorite to win the Heisman. They're going to the playoff if they win this game. There's no reason on earth – for them not to be completely dialed on this. So I'm, I'm with you. I take, I take USC to win this game comfortably. Yep. Same. Uh, and then, so next week we'll be able to talk about what the, uh, bowl destinations are and see what ended up with the CFP, uh, Washington. The buzz is right. Is that if USC wins, then Washington is probably going to go to the Rose bowl, which is insane to think about, you know, like expectations when the season started, it's like, you just want to see him play well. Yeah, I would take. We would have taken that in the beginning of the year if you did. Absolutely, if you put dude. That on, unbelie- put I that mean, this is uh, what I'm trying to appreciate. Is that what makes it nice in a weird way about losing to Arizona State is that we never had to pay a, t- a lick of attention to Washington's standing in the CFP rankings over the course of the season. You know, correct. It's like the playoff was just never a viable option for this team, or never felt realistic. Turns out it was if they had beaten Arizona State. But uh, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> like, who cares? It's like, to me, it's like, uh, it's like the um, Rory McIlroy does this all the time. But it's like the backdoor top ten finish, you know? Yeah. In a major, yeah. Like he he's, he's played really well in the last year, but in the prior couple of years, he was very consistently like way out of it on Sunday, and then he shoots sixty four, you know, and he finishes like tied eighth. Yeah. That's Washington, right? Like Washington, like when they started doing the rankings. We had already lost Arizona State. We weren't going to be a factor, like effectively eliminated. There's no way to get there. And so you, you just get to enjoy each week's game. And at the end of the year, you look at it and be like, how about that? Like we're ninth in the coaches bowl and 
11th in the CFP. And there's, you know, like if USC wins and beats Utah, they're going to drop below us again probably, and we'll be the second highest ranked Pac-12 team, which means if USC goes to the playoff, we're next in line to go to the Rose Bowl. Like that's to me is your like your backdoor top ten finish in a major. Yeah, and it's like it's this is a, a a magic season. This is what you dream about as a fan. Where like basically everything went right. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And Washington, I think there. I mean, the rumor is, well, the Rose Bowl. Like first of all, the Rose Bowl fell in line today and signed a contract to allow for the expansion to twelve teams next year for the playoff which means that this this will probably be like the last traditional Rose Bowl game. Yeah. Pac-12, Big Big Ten, you know, and the two candidates that to go would be Ohio State and Penn State. Apparently there's some noise out there that Ohio State might not get the invite because they didn't sell their, their entire allotment of tickets last time they played. They've played in the Rose Bowl a bunch of times the last couple of years, and the Rose Bowl is ready to see a different school, so they might invite Penn State. I'd be okay with that. I don't necessarily. I mean, it feels like a more winnable game. Well, I, but at the same time, like Ohio State's, I guess their quarterback's going to sit out the bowl game, whatever it is, because he is, you know, he's got to prepare for the NFL now, and so yeah. stands to reason that Ohio State's probably got a pretty good backup. But yeah, um, but well, who remember knows? that one year they won the the title with their third stringer. Yeah, they've got good players. Is yeah. the thing. <laughs> well, Washington's uh, best uh, player in its recruiting class was uh, on a. Uh, uh, official visit Ohio State last week. So that's a bummer. Our, our that quarterback, star, our four-star quarterback, yeah, from South Dakota. Was, well, they, he's only a four-star now because he's commit was committed to Washington, and like he was a three-star when we got him, and now all of a sudden, uh, that was like yeah. always been one of the funny things to me about recruiting is because like what I liked about Chris Peterson is that he like wasn't married to the star system, and he would sometimes just offer these guys that were like out of nowhere, and then once they would get a Washington offer, everybody, uh, I mean, this is a smart way for other schools to do recruiting. If you feel like another school has an idea what they're doing, just wait to see who commits to them. It'll be about to be a five-star when he commits, uh, when he drops Washington, he commits to Ohio state. I wouldn't get surprised, dude. (laughs) Get himself another star real quick. Yeah. He's already plus one. I mean, like, I, you know, I can't believe that, uh, what, like, I'm so high on DeBoer and Grubb that, like, I think they can fix Sam Heward. <laughs> like, mm, I'm pretty confident that the quarterback that's going to start for Washington next year, if it's not Penix, which, I mean, why would it be? Um, why would he stay? If it's not him, it's going to be someone that they're – I mean, I, so I'm so convinced of this that I went and looked at the top 20 quarterbacks in college football this year. Um, Who do you like? I like the freshman at North Carolina. Okay. His his name, let me see. Uh UNC QB. It's like Drake something. Uh yeah, Drake May. Your guy. ACC player of the year. Okay. Um That's him. Drake May stats. So ACC player of the year. Um he threw for 3,800 yards, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. So that's right. You know, like that's yeah. he's got all the he's got all the great stuff. North Carolina had an okay season this year. He's a freshman, I think, or a redshirt freshman. Um, yeah, he's a redshirt freshman. It looks like. Um, or, or, let's see. What did uh, yeah? North Carolina had like a decent. 
Yeah, it looks like they lost three games this year, but there's some. I guess there was some scuttlebutt that um, what's his name? Uh, the court, the coach, the old ass coach used to be Texas's coach, Mac Brown. Might retire, might do something like might be done. Yeah, and so I was thinking like, yeah, Mac Mac Brown retires, Kalen DeBoer, you know, just floats out in the ether that really likes the way that Drake May spins the ball. Yeah, and then and then we'll bring him in, you know, like so that's who I think we're gonna go pull. That's the thing is like you have it all on tape for one year. It's like with our offense, and you here we've got a great control because look at the same team with the with the same players from the year before. Yep, nothing with them. Everything with us. I think probably at least one of the. I mean, you've got you've got the the receiving cores loaded, so you got the players. Yep. Like come come to be come come hang out with us. We'll start. We'll kick up the Heisman thing a little bit sooner this year. Yeah. <clears throat> get and get you going. You know, get you a Heisman. I love it. There you go. All right. So that's what I want. Drake May. Um, there's a couple other quarterbacks that look look decent. A lot of seniors though, so they may be like one year guys if they have like another year of eligibility because of COVID or something, but nice. All right. That does for this week's episode of eligible receivers for Eric. I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.